Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, Nat re referenced it, uh, but I'm going to talk about inklings. Just, just the, like it's an emotion, an inkling's an emotion, an inkling's like a nudge. It's just, it's just like a little, I don't know what it is, but every one of you have got inklings. Just, you've got an inkling. And you know, the thing about an inkling is you can't describe what an inkling is, because an inkling's an inkling. Even the word inkling. There's, there's, no, there's no word like the word inkling. It's a, it's a weird word, a strange word, but, but all of us have, have inklings. And, you know, deep down in your, in your emotional layers, deep down, there are some inklings that are actually the will of God. And I think in your drivenness, I think you can actually steamroll inklings. They're just like new little seedlings that just grow up. And because they don't seem significant, they don't seem uh, like they're pounding, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't cause your heart to leap, then, then we can ignore what are signals that the will of God is closer than we think. You know, I, I, uh, I do a preaching masterclass uh, in our first year uh, college people in Sheffield in England. And in teaching them how to preach, one guy got up and he said, I was going for a walk and God said this and I said that and God said this and I said that and God said this. And I, and I thought, wow, I've never had a conversation like that with God. You know, <laughs> you know, my wife does, but I haven't, right? So I said, did, did that really happen? And eventually, I think it was intimidation. He said, no, not really. He, and, and I said, well, what was it? He said, it was just like a feeling. And I think sometimes we're trying to make God out to be this, this huge cyclone. And we're trying to make God's voice out to be so booming that, that the rest of us think, well, we don't hear from God. And you know, I've never heard a booming voice from God. All I've, all I've got, mostly I trade in inklings. And it seems a bit pathetic that I want to sort of vamp it up a bit and I want to sort of put a big voice to it and put thunder and lightning that's very, very frightening, you know, all, all over it instead of just leaving it as it actually is. It's an inkling. And you know, inklings, inklings are, are that vague that you don't even know, you don't even, it doesn't actually have a postal address on it. You think, I've got an inkling. Well, what is, what is that inkling? I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know where this inkling's heading. I don't know what direction it's in, you know. And I don't, and sometimes a lot of you are confused about your destiny saying, I don't really know what God's plan is for my life. And I think it's because you're starting with what God's plan is for your life. I think that's the problem, is, is that you started with your life. I mean, that's a long time, you know, to figure out. It's like a 17-year-old trying to figure out what their career's going to be. I mean, every, everyone needs to take a gap year for a start, because who knows when you're 18 what your career's, and it's like a massive pressure to figure out what the rest of your life's going to unfold. And, and then we adapt that and adopt that into Christianity and we say, what's the will of God for your life? Well, I, well, I don't know. And most of you, in one respect, should know. And if you did know, it would ruin the excitement of it because there's nothing more exciting than not knowing. You know, there's nothing more exciting than the adventure of not knowing. So there's kind of like a, a method to God's madness. But but often it doesn't start with a huge cyclone and it doesn't start with, with thunder and lightning. It doesn't start with a big booming voice of God said. It just starts with a nudge. And a nudge is a nudge is a nudge. It's just a little inkling. What is an inkling? I don't know what an inkling is. I don't know what it is and it's got no postal address on it. But it kind of like, it kind of like moves you. 
kind of like shoves you. You know, like, you, like if you're trying to kick a box across the room. It just kind of, it's a little kick, just in the right direction. So much so that if you actually, instead of steamrolling your inklings, you actually go with your inklings, you'll actually be drawn closer to the will of God than you've ever been. Because God trades in inkling. In actual fact, a lot of your inklings, or a degree, not every inkling you get, you know, some of my inklings are crazy. But, but amongst the, amongst the uh, you know, amongst the ants of inklings, some are marked by God. And they're almost like the wrapping paper of the will of God. If I get an inkling, some, within me even right now, there are inklings that, that are going to change nations. Even in me, and yet it's just, what is it, a little nudge? But it seems to be that's, but it's, it, it's kind of like wrapped around or almost chained to the actual will of God. Here's, I'm going to give you two scriptures, and these are paramount scriptures. And the first one's from, from Psalms 37 in verse number four. And it says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, like get happy, get a bit of Farrell Williams on there. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you uh, the will of God. No, 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 no. He doesn't even need to say that. He'll give you the desires. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Like, like some of us are rejecting our desires, thinking God would have nothing to do with my desires. And, and it drives you crazy thinking, well, here I am and God's a million miles away until this scripture comes along, says if you just do a little bit of delighting in the Lord instead of dragging in the Lord, then he'll give you, that. why would he give you the desires? Because the desires are the wrapping paper of his will. Unwrap your desires, you're gonna find God's will. Your desire in God's will is a lot closer union than you can realize. How, how do you find the will of God? Well, somehow inside you, in your emotional package, is the will of God. It's a desire. It's an inkling. And you know, sometimes we've got this weird theology that, that we think that God's going to make us do something that we really don't want to do. And yet that's never been the case. In all of human history, that God has steamrolled your inner deep emotions to get you to do something that you really don't want to do. Like, like you might think, you know, some people say, well, I, I don't like India. I hate India. I don't, I don't want to ever go to India. And you think, darn, the place that God's going to call me to is going to be India. You know, and then somebody's going to say, come up to you, and, and if you're single, say, listen, God's spoken to me about marrying you. And you're going to think, oh, I don't even, I don't even have, I don't even like you but it's just like God to make me do something that I don't want to do, you know? And, and some of us have that kind of God, that, that a God that almost hates us, and, and we almost hate God because He's always trying to get us to do stuff that's so sacrificial, that's so what we don't want to do, that's so anti-us, that it's just screwed you up. Because God works on inkling. Because if you delight yourself in God, He'll give you your inklings. 
Now, it's not every inkling, but there are some inklings that, you know, to throw the baby out with the bathwater is ridiculous, but there are some things within you that are trying to express themselves, but you're a steamroller. You're allowing religion to kill the beauty of relationship. You know, here's another scripture that's just a beautiful scripture. It's from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And it says this, For it is God who works in you, everyone say in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. I love good pleasure, but here's the New Living Translation. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God's, he's working in you right now to give you the desire. You know, your, your desires are changing right now. There's, there's a change going on. There's a different... It's God, because He doesn't want to work against you. He doesn't want you to marry that person you are repelled by. He, God's working in you because He gave you the desire. He gave you your emotions, not to steamroll, but to listen to. Because you're more an emotional person than you're, than you're an intellectual person. In actual fact, all your intellect does is verify what your emotional condition is every time. If someone says they're an atheist, it's because when they pray for their grandmother at eight years of age and their grandmother died, they rejected God not out of an intellectual rejection over evolution versus creation, but an emotional rejection that God didn't come through at their time of need. So nobody's an intellectual. And it's the same with you. I'm not in this because of the technicality of Jesus Christ dying for me. I'm in this because I'm in love with. And in love with and emotions go hand in hand. And so for you to refresh your Christian walk, that's why it says delight yourself in God. Get refreshed. Press refresh button. And stop moving into I bring a sacrifice of praise and start moving into I love to praise. <laughs> I don't, I don't got to do this. I get to do this. Start to change your attitude and you'll find something that will happen within you because part of what's in you is being shifted by the hand of God. You know, I'm going to give you some layers of emotions that are in you because just to, sh just, to, just, just to show you that we need to dig down a bit within us. But you know, there was this, uh, this eight-year-old walking along the street one day and this frog jumped up on his shoulder and said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And, and he thought, he looked at the frog and, and then he just shoved the frog back in his back pocket and, um, and then the, the frog jumped out again and, and said, hey, kid, I said, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And he just grabbed it, shoved it back in his pocket. And like half a mile down the road, the frog, really angry now, comes out, jumps on the kid's shoulder and says, hey, kid, I told you, it's your last chance. If you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And he said, why won't you kiss me? And the eight-year-old said, because I don't want a beautiful princess. What I want is a talking frog. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes you, some, I'm talking about not what you want, but what you really, really want. You know, make a good hit song one day if somebody took those lyrics up. 
It's, you know, it's because I'm, I'm trying to carve through that you, you've got an inkling that you're slightly hungry, but there's, there's a deeper inklings within you. I've made up, I, 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 you know, I've made up like five levels of emotion. If it comes up, there's four up here, but the top level of emotion you just need to carve through are your visiting emotions. Bad hair day. You know, bad hair day is not the will of God for you to stay home because your hair will not straighten, you know. You, 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 you need to get through that. And because, because you know, just because that's, that's an emotion, but they're so superficial emotions. But the next lot are your volatile emotions. And you've got to pile drive through your volatile emotions. If I was to uh, describe volatile emotions, I'd describe them as anger and hate and infatuation and recklessness and spite. And, you know, sometimes because we're caught up in, in such, in such, such, uh, volatile emotions that we don't know what the will of God is because you're so caught up in mid-range emotions that drive you. That's why Jesus said, forgive your enemy just to clear your emotional state. Because otherwise, otherwise the smoke of hatred, the, the smoke of jealousy will just so unclear you that you'll never really get in touch with those inner inklings because you'll be caught up upon your volatility. But you know, all volatile emotions come from vulnerable emotions like anxiety, fear, disappointment, feelings of abandonment, inferiority and rejection. And you know, there are a lot of things that God's working on right now. Because you can be driven by such a need to please people and such a need to be popular and such a need to be somebody that, that those driving emotions and that feeling of nobody likes me, nobody wants me, that feeling of rejection, that feeling of abandonment can so overrun you that you miss out on the inklings of God. And so we need to pile drive. You know, and everybody who's angry isn't really angry. They're just disappointed. You know, the anger is just the exhaust pipe of disappointment. And, you know, if somehow if God can settle, settle you down, if God could just put some hope back in you, then, then we, we could find within your, within your life that, that we could just calm you down so that deep inside we can listen to the inklings that God has. Number four is visionary emotions. And this is your desire to make a mark, your desire to achieve, your passion to grow and build and win. And these emotions, visionary emotions, are these are good emotions, but sometimes you can be a driven person. And sometimes, sometimes you need to put your drivenness just on the shelf just for a moment in order to recalibrate what the will of God is for your life. Because you can be acting against God simply by the will to win but you're actually in the wrong race. The ladder of success could be leaning against the wrong wall. And then deep down is your victorious emotions. And I love this because in Romans 14 verse 7, the kingdom of God is peace, joy, righteousness, or righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I love that. The kingdom of God, listen to it. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So two-thirds of the kingdom of God is emotional. Peace is an emotion. You know when you've got it, and you know when it's disturbed. And then joy, what is joy? It's an emotion. It's, 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 it's a positive passion within you. And it seems to me that, that, that peace is a gatekeeper that, that allows, you know, passion, both of them together, peace and joy, give birth to inklings. That inklings are the children of peace 
and joy. And deep down, because you've got the kingdom of God. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God lives within you. You know, if you were to cut you in half, you know, deep down, your, your faith sunning itself. It's lying on a deck chair by the Mediterranean of the promises of God. It's, just, it's not sweating over anything because it's just full of peace and it's full of joy. And it's right now having babies. And maybe in the last week it's had a baby. And maybe you thought, that's oh, just an inkling. And you're so caught up in your drive for life and so caught up in, your, in the volatility of anger and you're so caught up in the insecurity of abandonment that these little babies are going around parentless because they're looking for an incubator and they're looking for somebody who dig deep down to actually find them. You know, there's a business book written about this, that, that, and it's called Blink, and it's by Malcolm Gladwell, and, and uh, the catchphrase is, the power of thinking without thinking. And he gave this analogy in the first part of the book, and, uh, and it's from a fi- firefighters in Cleveland, Ohio, and they go into a burning house, and they're all in there trying to douse out the fire, and the lieutenant says, he just, he just says, everybody out. And within about three or four seconds, all the firefighters were out. Because, and then all of a sudden, the complete the floor of the kitchen they were in completely fell into the basement because nobody realized the fire. The, the origination of the fire wasn't the kitchen; it was the basement. But he had he had like a blink moment, a power of thinking without thinking. He had like an intuition. He had something happen within him where he just kind of knew. In a moment, just in a, in, a, in a stark moment, he just kind of knew. It was kind of like just a moment of clarity, a moment of clarity. And you know, sometimes you can know more in a split second than you can doing a PhD on a subject. You can know more about firefighting in a split second. He didn't learn about basement fires back in firefighting school, but he, had an incl- he just had this inkling. He had this feeling within him that was like the power of thinking without thinking. And the book talks about analysis paralysis, that the more you think about something, the more you discuss something, the further away you are from the truth of that something. That you, and you know, if I was to think about how do I hear from God, I'd say, I'd say it was like, it's always just like a thought that's attached to like a, the flicker of a neon light. momentary peace while I'm reading his word or while I'm thinking about something that becomes true. It's just, it's like the, the change in cabin pressure when you take off in an aircraft. Nobody talks about it. It's not dramatic. You swallow and it's gone, but that's the realm that, that is, is happening deep down within you. Is there's, a, there's in Maybe in the last week, maybe in the last two months, there's been a change in cabin pressure. Can you see, like I'm talking subtly, right? Because, because and I'm trying not to, not to be too big this morning. I'm trying to break God down to, 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 to just, you know, just that, just that vibration of, of an earthquake that's a hundred miles away. It's somehow in that still small voice that, that, that Elijah describes it as, somehow God exists. And he's not a million miles away from him. He's closer, he's closer than anything. We planted a congregation in Kuala Lumpur. None of us had ever been to Kuala Lumpur. 
But you know, I would have felt that would disturb me because it might introduce um, emotions that, that were, you know, I might feel lonely in Kuala Lumpur if I went there. You know, and, and, and then I might hate the city because it's just so crowded and polluted. I might, and so I thought, no, let's just stick with this inkling day. You don't need to tread the streets of a place to know God's will about a place. So I thought, I'll just, I'll just hang around with that inkling. And then, you know, with every time we plant somewhere as a church, I've got to have some people to go with it. And uh, otherwise, it, nothing happens, you know. So my PA, uh, she married our media director, but I just, I just had an inkling. So I just put two inklings together, and they turned out to be twins. You know, when peace and joy gave birth to this idea, gave birth to twins. And I said, what do you think? I said, about going to Kuala Lumpur. You know, no one, none of us knew exactly where it was. <laughs> and then they had an inkling. And then Joel had more than an inkling. I'll come to that in a second. But he said, Dave, you don't know this. He said, my grandfather and grandmother were missionaries in Malaysia. And 50 years ago, they planted a church on the outskirts of Kuala Lumpur. I mean, who would know that? You know, surely with God, that should have come up on some screen, some testimony, somewhere along the line. But I just think that God loves subtlety because love lives in subtlety. You know, when you're in a relationship with someone, if they're always commanding you to do something, love dries up. But if they suggest, it gives a breathing space for love. And I would say it's the same with you. Somewhere within you, there's just a little knocking on the door. Who's knocking on the door? It's Jesus who's knocking on the door. Now, this is deep down. I don't know if this is psychological, but I've invented even amongst inklings, amongst desires, five levels. Follow me in on this, right, so that we can dissect. I've used the word inklings because it's a cute word. But you know, on the top top layer, if, if they've got the screen, they can put it up on the top layer, are just likings. This, this is how God speaks, just liking. I, I like that. I like that. Likings are an attraction, a curiosity, an inclination, a soft spot, a fancy, a wish, and a dream. Just this. Now you like stuff up here, right? We all we all like food, right? But this is this is also deep down is liking. I like that. Uh, let me say something. When I go to America, right? I like that. I like America. But you know, it's not just I like it. It's I like it. You know, that I've got to listen to liking because possibly that liking will, will deepen into an inkling. And it might deepen into thousands getting saved in America through us planting Hope City Church on the East Coast of America. But can you see where I'm at? I've got no big booming voice, but I like it. Uh-huh. So there's stuff in you that you like it. You're thinking, well, God wants nothing to do with my likes. 
In actual fact, God will give me everything I don't like. Because that's how twisted you've made God out to be. It's just a liking. Number two is an inkling, a niggle, a fly in the room that keeps coming back, a nosiness. Number three, we're going deeper, a yearning. It's a wanting, a hunger, an eagerness, an excitement, an urge, a searching, a hunger. It's a yearning. I, 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 many years ago, right, I sat in the back of a bus at Hillsong Conference many, many years ago. And, you know, like, and there was a guy at the back, he was bald, he was kind of like pasty looking. And I said, what do you do? And I was, I was like being compassionate toward him. He ran one of Australia's largest churches. And his name was, was Philip Baker. And in Perth, right, and, and um, so I suddenly changed my disposition, right, and, uh, and, and so, you know, probably deepened the voice too, so what, do you, what have you been doing lately there, Phil, you know, and then, and, then he, and then he said, we actually hired the Western Australian Symphony Orchestra. I said, I didn't know you could do that. He said, yeah, every, everyone's up for hire. You can buy anyone. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, then he said, we, we asked him, what did they do, Beethoven's Ninth? He said, no, we got Darlene songs. We just chartered them and, and we, we put it on in, in a symphonic hall and, and, you know, made it a bit of an outreach. Well, I, I've had an urge. Ever since he said that, I had an urge. Put the urge in my back pocket, but this is, this is an urge, right? And I thought, I'm, I'm going to do something like that. So just a, a number of years ago, we had our 20th anniversary of Hope City Church, and I thought, this is my chance, right? And so I said to, I said to my son, Ryan, I said, because he was leading our worship, I said, find, me, find us an orchestra. <laughs> and so he rang around, you know, and, and, uh, and finally, finally, uh, you know, he found the Harrogate Symphony Orchestra that was up for hire. I said, go in with a cheap rate. They said, okay then. An 84-piece orchestra. We ditched Darlene's songs. We just did Ryan Gilpin's songs. He charted it at 20 years of age and split it up in all the instruments. We hired a grand piano. And in the night in the city hall with like 2,000 people, we played our own hits with the Harrogate Symphony Orchestra. But you see, you see I'm not, it's an urge. It was an urge for quite some time, but, but that night was an extraordinary celebration of 20 years. And instead of steamrolling, thinking, I can't do it because, because my volatile emotions would say, uh, you know, would, would, my vulnerable emotions would be anxious. It'll be too expensive. We can't do it. And all the doubting Thomases would all be feasting around this idea. But I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on penetrating like a well, dig down, hold on to this emotion and allow it to become everything that's called to be. Number four is a hankering, it's a pining, a thirsting, a craving, it's a fervor, it's an aching. And number five, an obsessing. This isn't, this isn't so much your OCD to get, you know, all your everything straight in your cupboard and all of your clothes color combined. That's a different issue. We'll talk about that another time. This is, this is a drivenness, a smittenness. And you know, I, I, 
sometimes when I get this smittenness, I get this obsession, I, sometimes it, I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. Because, you know, I'm, I lack concentration and to write a book, and, and I've got some books here. My first book, which is called uh, Think, um, I wrote this in a hotel room in Copenhagen. Spent five days and five nights just uh, creating the backbone of this book. But it was written under an obsession. I've got to get this thing written. And I thank God that I felt so obsessed by it that, that in the space of a short period of time, I did what most people would do in a couple of years. And yet most people have a book in them and do nothing with it until God gives you something of an obsession. You need to ride with that in order to produce and take this that's not in here. It's out here now. And it's a brilliant book. And it's called Think, and this book is two books in one because the end of it is 500 Nuggets of Truth. I'm slightly autistic. 500 Nuggets of Truth uh, to help you mature in your Christian walk. This is my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. That's a great book. This is my book, Jesus Saved Me From Your Followers. I think some of you would love to be saved from a few followers. This is my book, and this is a map that I drew. Uh, again, under an obsessiveness, if you get to know me, there's an obsessiveness that isn't just the quirk of Dave Gilpin, it's a gift from God. And sometimes we can put the label disorder on it, and yet it's not a disorder, it's a special addition to create special genius from the things of heaven. Hey, I'm clapping myself right now, you know. And uh, so this is uh, called the mind map, and it's a map. You can come back on keyboards. And this is a, a map of the Christian mind and a book. And the catchphrase uh, is that the, the uh, skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. What you think eventually becomes what you live. Henry Ford said, if you think you can, if you think you can't, you're both right. You know, God just wants to change the way you think. And even this morning is an, is an exercise in changing the way you think about how you feel. And so this, if, you, if, you get, if you buy three books, you can have a fourth one for free. This is my book, The Hit Factory. And uh, the catchphrase is the next big thing is the next you. Start waiting for the next big thing. The next big thing comes from the next you. The next you is the you that you decide and choose to be. It's a powerful book. And this is my book, Man Boobs, another human right. <laughs> That's in celebration of the male of the species. Okay, I'm going to do this super quick, right, because I've used my time up. This is super quick. How do you dig deep down to the depths of your desire? Number one, stop being driven by God. Just stop it. You want to be led by God, not driven by God. If it's going to be that painful, if it's going to be that costly, that sacrificial, that imposing, I don't think God wants it. Because He's looking for a delight. That's, that's the condition of everything I've said in the last 35 minutes. The condition is you delight. Some of you are so driven by guilt and so driven by condemnation, so driven by instruction, so driven by obedience and so driven. You just, you just, you're just pitiful because you've exchanged the beauty of love for just for business. 
You need to do a divine exchange. Stop being driven by the vulnerable emotions, the guilt, the condemnation, the opinions of others, and mild threat. Number two is you need to let go and let God. Stop being driven. Stop being driven by your over-attachments to people and things. Do you know how much of your thinking time is taken up with over-attachments? We're sticky people. We tend to over-love people and over-love things. You know, I'm like that as well. You know, I get a new friend, I over-love the new friend. I get a new thing, I over-love the thing. And so many of you are just so caught up on on over-love. You know, maybe someone's doing the job that you used to do in church life. Maybe somebody's sitting on your seat. Maybe somebody's taken your best friends and there's somebody else's best friends. And you're suffering here and you're caught up with vulnerable emotions. God gets that. He sweated drops of blood. He gets that. But with your, with your vulnerability, you're going to have to do something about that vulnerability. And the only answer to over-love is an altar of love. And it's to surrender every relationship and everything you love back to God. When Abraham overloved Isaac, God said, you're going to have to give him back. When he gave him back, he said, now I know that you worship me. Let's proceed into the promises of God. In Romans chapter 12, verse number one, it just, it says, in view of God's mercy, it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, this is your act of worship. It, it, surrender it. Surrender it. And then it says, right, it might not come up in the end of verse 2. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, if His will's like a Maserati, then you'll be able to test drive the Maserati of God's good, pleasing will. But it starts off with surrender, why? Because we're sticky. Sticky, 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 sticky. Best friends become idols, so God removes them, and then we cry for the rest of our lives. We need to create an altar. And my last point is never be afraid of the bench. There's a small slither of land between the grandstand of inactivity and the field of play. It's called the bench. And no great player has ever stayed on the field of play in every season. They've always had time out on the bench. You know, I, I, in terms of football, one of the great players in England was David Beckham. And, and in one of the great uh, the World Cups a couple of times before, he was on the bench. He was, he was injured. He was down, but he wasn't out. He was kind of like on the bench. But, but he was benching it like Beckham would bench it. Just, just with a, you know, he wasn't dressed in his pajamas. He was dressed in Armani. He wasn't dressed in a onesie. He, he was dressed in Eve Saint Laurent. Because you want to bench it well. And your bench is a time for rest. And your bench is a time for recovery. And your bench is a time for reinvention. Nobody reinvents on the field. You only reinvent on the bench. Some of you need to not see the bench as that's the end of my life. No, the bench is an ad break. And in Australia, you know all about ad breaks. There's ads all the time. The bench, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the blank page between chapters. It's not the end. It's just midway. When God prunes, 
everything that's fruitful. And every one of you have had fruitfulness. God prunes it. Why does He put you on the bench? So that you would be even more fruitful. Just because you're not playing doesn't mean you're not part of the team. And in this room right now, just because you might not be playing doesn't mean you're not part of the team. The team is field and bench, bench and field, field and bench, bench and field. That, that's how it is. That's, that's the success of this. But in doing that, you'll be able to just, just drop a well. You know, through the bad hair day, through the madness, through the insecurity, into the vision, into the victorious emotion. We're having babies right now. I'm going to just finish because I'm over time. But um, I don't know how this happened, but six months ago, I got invited onto Big Brother in the United Kingdom. I, I don't know. I think they were looking for some like someone who thinks they're cool but it's old. You know? I don't know. It would. It, it. But I've had a vision for media in the United Kingdom for quite some time. So initially, I said, I said, well, I, I'll do it initially because it kind of like fitted my vision, my visionary emotions. But wow, was I scared. I used to have arguments every, every shower time, arguments about political correctness and arguments about all the hot issues in society. I won every argument, but I came out not wet from the tap, but wet from sweat. You know, just it was just an emotionally intense time. And I, and I thought the persecution that I would get through doing that show would be enormous. And you know what that kind of volatility needs? How do I know the will of God? Well, that volatility needs an altar call. And I got up off that altar and I said, I'm not here to protect my reputation. I'm here to live for Christ. So I became a, a, living, a living sacrifice. And then I thought, I'm not really feeling deep down. I'm not really feeling right deep down. And so what I did is I thought, God, if I said no to this, am I prepared to say no to this possible opportunity of, of being influential within Great Britain? It's a dream of mine to, to change society from the grassroots up and from the top down. And it fits from the top down. And, and there's hardly any Christian celebrities in England. This is Cliff Richard. And he's like 125 years of age, you know. So there's nobody there. So I, and then I, had to, I, then I had to bench it instead of drive it. Build another altar and so I'm prepared to be in obscurity for the rest of my life. Dug down, now I was ready for what God said. Asked a couple of people, put it through the filter of wisdom. They said, Dave, don't do it. I never felt a baby of England say do it. But I'll tell you what's happened to me. I'm ready for babies. Because I'm dealt with insecurities. I'm not here to be popular. I'm not here to be driven. I'm not here to, uh, out of insecurities. I'm not, I've, I've dealt with anger issues. I've dealt with insecure issues. I'm ready for babies. They're probably swimming around already. Deep down.
That's my message. And I'm going to pray that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it's almost like a well dropper. Drop you in. You know, you still need a filter of wisdom, a couple of leaders to help you if they're big issues. Just, you know, we need the filter of community, but, but you need the personalization of God. The God who impregnates. The God who creates. The God who feeds. And the God who loves. Come on, close your eyes. In the very back of this room, just pray. Father, I let the, let the calm, let the calmness of Christ fill this room. Father, those, Lord God, that are caught up in windstorms and caught up in eddies and caught up in hurricanes and cyclones, be still in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, those caught up in little satanic strategies, be still in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I command every wind and I command every wave within this place to be still in Jesus' name. Let your authority come upon every heart. Stretch your hands out right now. Let your authority come upon every heart right now. Father, we proclaim that Jesus reigns that the earth doesn't reign, that the insecurities of this earth don't reign, but Jesus reigns. And Father, right now, God, we take every idol and every sticky thing off the throne of our heart and we place you upon the throne of our hearts and we say, Jesus Christ is Lord and nothing else matters. Father, let there be a divine transfer, Lord, of confusion to calm in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the destructive uh, rivers and destructive winds of insecurity to the calmness of the stronghold of peace. Father, let the God of peace crush the head of Satan within our hearts within our minds. Father, bring an excitement to this church. Take out the drivenness and bring an excitement. Let everybody sense, "Mm, I like that. Let everybody sense, what is that? That's an inkling that I've got. Let everybody sense, gosh, that's, that's like a yearning. Let some not hold back their fascination. creativity to see three silver water and a new creativity to Nat and to Hartley and the entire team. Bring a new freedom to this place. Give them time to think and time to see and time to feel. Father, for everyone in the bench season, Father God, let them not feel like they're just out of the limelight, not cared about, because your light is more upon the bench than it is on the field, because the bench becomes the birthing place of everything that will happen one day on the field. Father, let this entire congregation value the field and the bench identically. Let people even today move because they've lost their mojo. They've lost their pizzazz. They've lost their va-va-voom. Let them come off the field, those that have lost it, and come back onto the bench to find their new inkling. Father, let those who are on the bench who are frustrated, thinking I need to get out there again, I pray they'd start to boot up. And I pray they'd put their new jersey on. Listen, stop crying over your old jersey put their new number on and get out there and play like a madman possessed by the Spirit of God. 
Father, rearrange this church, the passion, true passion from Christ might become like a bushfire. Let our passion become evangelistic. May people think, what is this that you're on? What is this joy? What is this peace? Who are these babies of inklings and likings and urgings? What has happened within me? You can say, I'm in love with the source of life, with the creator of the heavens and the earth.